Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. If you need to free yourself from shame and have fun doing it, you've come to the right hour. I'm so glad that I get a chance to talk to Scarlett Hiltabattle again. She hasn't been on the show for a while. She's written three books, Afraid of All Things, You're the Worst Person in the World, and He Numbered the Pores on My Face. She is an absolute delight. She is funny and engaging, and I always love having her on. Scarlett, welcome back. Hi, Bill. I hope I'm funny today. Uh, it doesn't <laughs> you matter. You're always, you're always funny. <laughs> And I love this this new project you've got. It's a new Bible study. Uh, is it about a six-week uh, study called Ashamed? Yes. Yes, it's a six-week study called Ashamed. Yeah. Uh, fighting shame with the Word of God. I think that's spectacular. Thanks. I'm excited about it. I did another one a couple years ago called Anxious, um, Fighting Anxiety with the Word of God. I told um, my husband the other day, the new book came in and I said, all of my book titles are negative things. (laughs) Anxious, ashamed, you're the worst. (laughs) I'm I'm seeing a a thread. (laughs) Yeah, but they get everyone's attention and that's, uh, that's really, really good. And you always show so much vulnerability in your writing. So I think that makes you so accessible. And People just, they just, uh, they warm up to you so fast. I know I did when Thank I read your book. Thank you so much. And I've, I've passed Thank it on. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So tell me about your issue with shame. Well, I think my issue with shame is very closely tied up to my issue with anxiety. Okay. Um, we'll make it because, a two for one. Yeah. Two for one. Well, I was thinking, because I've written a lot about anxiety and, you know, my, my anxiety about everything and then my underlying thread of anxiety about my faith, which in those early years of walking with Jesus, I thought, am I doing it right? Am I a good enough Christian? And I was very focused on my performance, forgetting the whole point of the gospel, which is Jesus's performance in our place, you know? Um, And so I think that that anxiety led me to strive to be good and approved. And um, that led to the cycle of patting myself on the back and feeling awesome about myself if I did something good and then <laughs> feeling horrible when I failed, which was more often than doing something good. So, you know, just the whole, it's the same thing, you know, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. When we look at Jesus, when we seek to make our lives about him, that's when we're joyful and peaceful, not when we're trying to be awesome or have people worship us. Mm-hmm. Scarlett, you say in, in your book that the Bible tells us we can rest knowing that Jesus walked into the broken, sad, scary places to rescue us and love us. He is the one who fixes. He is the only protection that matters. Hmm. God's really Thanks gotten, for that reminder. <laughs> no, God's really gotten a hold of your life and he's doing great things with your work and, and your ministry and everything else. It's really cool. Thank you. I need to remember that truth so often. I forget it so frequently. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I want to go back to shame because I, I know that shame is not from God. Of course, it usually is uh, the other guy out there who's trying to let you know that you haven't done it right and you're not good enough and and you're not going to let go of that mistake. And I'm going to be reminding you often. So those are all lies and we don't want to live in a, a world of lies. So how do we stay ahead of that? 
Yeah. Um, I think it's important to differentiate between conviction and, you know, what, you know, you, you look at um, Isaiah six, when Isaiah is in the throne room of God and his response to God's holiness is to fall to the floor and say, I'm undone. You know, I should die right now. Woe is me. And that's an important, like, we can't see our need for Jesus unless we see how needy we are and that we have failed him and that we've sinned. But once you're a believer, um, I think that just living a lifestyle of repentance, we should see our sin, but rather than be swallowed in shame, we can take that conviction and say, okay, I'm grateful that I'm forgiven and God help me repent, help me to turn from this sin and, and pursue you again. And then we can walk with joy, you know, and I think that's the thing. That's part of why I wanted to write about this topic is because I think a lot of Christians, even once they've fully understood the gospel, they get stuck in that part of the woe is me. And then they don't, you know, after Isaiah had a coal touch his lips from the angel, he's forgiven. Then he's, you know, volunteering to do whatever God wants him to do, not even knowing what the assignment is saying, here I <laughs> yeah. am, send me. And so like as Christians walking with Jesus, we get to do this purposeful life and be excited about it and joyful. But I think it's so easy to get stuck in the regrets of our failures. Mm-hmm. Scarlett Hiltabaitl is my guest. She's got a brand new project uh, coming out. When does it come out, Scarlett? October 2nd. Okay. So it's a six uh, session study, and which I think is so smart. I mean, if I came out with something, it would be 97 sessions and no one would, no one would care. You know, It's like too much, <laughs> way too much. No, no. I have editors, Bill. This is the thing. <laughs> Me too. Me yeah, too. <laughs> but you've got it down to six sessions. So smart. And when you uh, go through the study, you're going to help people move beyond their shame. And when you say to the joy-inducing, peace-producing thrill that comes from a relationship with Jesus, we were made to live in the light, confessing and repenting and renouncing our shame because Jesus experienced shame in our place. Yeah, and it's I think excited, it's such a miracle it? to live... Yeah, it's a miracle to live that way in this world because, like, I don't know about you, but I've battled just world weariness and cynicism the last few years because life beats you up. And the thing is, when you have the Holy Spirit living in you, you don't have to stay there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and His Word transforms us and He transforms us, and we can be joyful and excited and yeah. on a mission for Him, even if life has been really hard the last few years. Yeah. Scarlett, tell me how the world has uh, beaten you up or how you've become more more cynical. I find that very mm. interesting. Well, there's you no know, wrong, the more people no I talk answer. to, well, I have answers. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, um, the more people I talk to, I know this is just so common. I think that the whole COVID thing caused so much pain, you know, whether it was sickness death, job loss, disagreeing with loved ones, all that stuff swirled together. You know, um, we, my family went through two cross-country moves in the last few years. I lost one loved one to suicide, one to COVID. Um, I mean, it's just, and everyone, thank you. But, you know, everyone I talk to, I think that that whole shift in world events just, you know, everyone was affected by it. And so, you know, everyone suffers difficult circumstances, but I feel like it's been like difficulty turbo <laughs> the last few years. Yeah. And so I've definitely had to, and this is the same for both my Bible studies. I say fighting shame with the, fighting shame with the word of God, fighting anxiety with the word of God, because I think that if you live in this broken world, it's impossible to just go do, 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 do. And, you know, just be happy all the time um, because it's so easy to get distracted by the pain that's in front of us every day. But um, 
but Jesus is bigger than that. And he, what he did is re reality, even though sometimes it might feel like he's far away, you know, his word is true and we can have access to peace even when life is hard. So, you know how they, people say when they're on a, working on a project, like that's the thing that they're struggling through. That was definitely true of this project and God's word proved itself true as it always does in my life. And his comfort is real comfort that you don't find anywhere else. And um, yeah, I hope that it helps other people who have felt discour more discouraged the last few years. There has been a lot of discouragement, and I would even use the word despair, where people feel a little bit hopeless at times. And I'm looking and listening to some of the life changes you've gone through. Moves are not easy, very disruptive, yeah. and you know you're placing your family in a brand new environment a couple of times. That's that's really hard. Thankfully, the second move was moving back home, <laughs> so oh, good. we had had kind of an adventure and. Um, it was great. Well, we call it our two-year mission trip, but it was very far away from um, our family and our support system. And my whole family moved to the Tennessee area when we were first here. And now my husband's whole family's moving here. So we're just really grateful to be home. <laughs> did you make a trip into the woods somewhere? Kind of live in the country? Into the woods? We we right. were in the woods, then we moved out to California. And now we're not quite in the woods, but we are doing the more rural lifestyle again. We have a donkey, so that feels very legit. Okay, I feel like... I'm a legit farmer now because yeah. I have a donkey. But there's there's wood ticks around there, isn't there? Oh, I had a tick two days ago, <laughs> and hopefully I'll be okay. <laughs> All right. Now, when you talk about anxiety, and a lot of people have it, did you have it as a kid? Did it start young for you, and you just sort of carried that into adulthood, or how did that happen? Yes, it started very young. And do you want to know a funny story? It's yeah. not funny, but it just happened. So my first book is Afraid of All the Things. And in the first page of the first chapter of that book, I talk about one of my earliest memories, which was being obsessed with being afraid that my appendix would rupture. Okay. <laughs> That's my first book. So yes, it started very early, but guess what just happened a week and a half ago. What? My oldest daughter had to have an emergency appendectomy. Oh, wow. And the reason we went to the hospital as early as we did, it did not rupture was because my husband shouted from across the house, Scarlett, which side is the appendix on when he was talking to my daughter? And I just reflexively shouted, the right, <laughs> because I spent so many years being really scared of that. And she's doing great. And um, my mom got her an appendix recovery kitten. So she thinks it was worth it. But um, yeah, for me, it started really young when I realized that stuff like that can happen. I went through a divorce. Okay, I mean, my parents went through a divorce when I was five. And we moved so many times before I was even five. And so... Um, yes, it started very early for me. <laughs> so did your daughter have an appendec appendectomy? She did. Okay. It was crazy. Yes, she <laughs> had it. It didn't rupture, but it needed okay. to come out. So, so it was like a crazy 48 hours. And you spent a good portion of your life preparing for that moment. It just didn't happen to be you. Exactly. That's, <laughs> yes. It's kind of funny, Scarlett. If I know. It. I know. It's kind of funny. Yeah. I don't mean uh, to laugh, but I I do find that uh, amusing. <laughs> I know. It's, and then I she know, got a brand too. new kitten as a result of uh, this episode and now has a little uh, little, little friend. It all worked out. Yeah, that's really nice. We'll take a little break. Scarlett Hiltabeitel is my guest. She's got a brand new Bible study coming out uh, called Ashamed, which you're going to want to find out more about. You can go to her website, Scarlett Hiltabeitel, H-I-L-T-I-B-I-D-A-L, scarletthiltabeitel.com. We'll be right back.
Thanks for listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm Carmen LaBerge. If you enjoy what you're listening to here, consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine. Search Mornings with Carmen LaBerge at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts and hit subscribe. So glad to have Scarlett Hiltabeitel as my guest for the hour. If you have a question or comment about anything you're hearing, you're always welcome to text me, 877-933-2484. Scarlett's the author of several books. She also have a new, has a new Bible study series coming out October 2nd. But when you were mentioning your, your book, Scarlett, Afraid of All Things, um, I, I just would love for you to chat about what the gospel says about your fears. I mean, there's the, the irrational ones and the rational ones. But I know the gospel speaks very specifically about the fears that we have in life. Yeah, I would love to talk about that. Thank um, you. <laughs> I, yes, a huge, huge, huge part of my testimony is I was raised to believe the gospel is true. And I could have walked you down the Romans road very early on. I knew that God was holy and that I was a sinner and that I needed Jesus to pay the price for my sin. And I think that I got it very opposite and wrong. I started walking with Jesus when I was 14 and I, you know, I could have quoted, what is it? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves that no one can boast. Um, I could say that and I understood it in my brain, but the way that I lived out my faith, I, because of that underlying anxiety, am I doing it wrong? You know, I, what am I saying? I always lose my train of thought at least once in every time I talk to you, I think, Bill. Um, okay. <laughs> We're talking about afraid of all the things. We're talking about- Yeah, about the rational fears and the rational ones. The irrational like, fears like and what wait, the gospel says about it. Okay. Yeah, like you're so, waiting for your I'm biopsy. Back. You're waiting for your yes, biopsy. Okay. You go, this is, this is serious. This is not irrational. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> the thing is, I viewed the gospel as this someday hope. Like someday, like this, yes, the biopsy. Everything is scary in this world. Yes. Someday- everything's going to be right. We're going to have heaven. We're going to have peace. Someday, hopefully Jesus will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I just kind of lived like that. So I was never at peace um, until I understood that the gospel is for right now and for every day, because we have peace with God right now. And if we really believe this thing that we say we believe, that our bodies will be made new, that death is an event and it's not the end, then we we can look at things like biopsy results and appendicitis and all these things differently. And it's hard, man, because like it's, it feels very abstract sometimes when we're so distracted by the things of this world. But um, if it really is about what Jesus did on the cross and not about how well I can adhere to whatever level of goodness I think is appropriate, <laughs> you know, because we all have a different idea of that. If it really is all about him and what he did, I can rest no matter what happens in this mm-hmm. life, right? So yeah, right. that was the huge turning point for me, and I apologize for my brain shutting off. <laughs> oh no, no, you're you're safe on this show anyway. <laughs> when you uh, talk about you know rational fears and rational realities, do you are you willing to talk about this uh, loved one of yours who who ended his or her life? Was it a, a cousin? A who who committed suicide? Yes. I'm willing, and I don't know that I have any pretty bows to tie on it yet, because it's still, I I mean, it was in, (laughs) yeah, I know. There is no pretty bow. I don't think, no matter how long, it's a reality. It was my Uncle Jimmy, and he was a father figure to me. He actually Mm -hmm. moved in with us for a while when my parents got divorced, 
and helped raise me for a little while. And you know, when you just have a special connection to someone in the family, Mm -hmm. he was that person for me. And I loved him so deeply. And he lived out in California, 45 minutes from where we were. So he was my one relative when we moved out there. And I thought, okay, well, Uncle Jimmy's there. And um, he suffered with um, depression and addiction. And we knew this. And, um, you know, it was hard. Again, COVID, he lost his job. He lost a relationship. And as his niece, you know, that's kind of sometimes an awkward, like I wanted to help him, but he kind of like changed my diapers, you know? And so um, it was just really, really horrible and hard and sad. And yeah. (laughs) Well, it's just, I'm so, so sad to hear that. And when you think of Uncle Jimmy, did he have peace in his heart uh, with God, despite the action he took to take his own life? I really hope so. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I don't know is the answer. What I do know, and this was a very cool thing that happened um, this past Christmas. So um, my grandma passed away of COVID 16 days after he died. That's her son. And um, and so we were going through her old journals and photo albums at, over Christmas at my mom's house. And I found my grandma's, she like recorded and wrote down everything from her life. And I found this page where she had recorded Uncle Jimmy um, professing to know the Lord when oh, he was okay. a child. And so, you know what? I, I mean, I wasn't close enough as an adult to really to really have peace about that. But when we found that, it was like, okay, <laughs> thank you, Lord, that we found this. And you know what? It is not about what we do on this earth and our performance. There is like, you know, there's evidence of us knowing him in our lives, but I definitely had a measure of peace finding that, knowing that, okay, look at this, you know, I, I hope that, I hope that he did have a relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. and yeah. Scarlett, do you feel that sense of urgency when you lose uncle Jimmy to think who else do I need to get in touch with and let them know that they're so loved and I care about them. And, you know, sometimes that unexpected phone call or a note or something can make such a difference in a person's life. Yeah, I do. I feel, I don't know if I, I feel urgency, but I also feel a lot of peace because we had all reached out to him and we, you know, we did try to share our testimonies with him and stuff. And I have others in my life that I pray for that I'm not sure where they stand, you know? Um, But the Lord reminds me again and again that it's, you know, there's no, there's nothing that I can do wrong. And this is something I have to preach to myself because it is so hard because of course my brain says, why couldn't I have called him that morning, you know? Right. Um, but I have to rest knowing that God is way more powerful than than something that I don't do out of fear or what if this is an awkward conversation? You know, I think it's a joy to be used by God um, to step into the lives of people and he uses us. But I also think that we can rest knowing that he's sovereign and and that he can he can reach in and use anybody in anything at any time. So Yes, urgency, but also peace. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, when you were writing uh, Afraid of All Things, uh, that was your first book, wasn't it? Yes. And then you followed it up with uh, You're the Worst Person in the World, <laughs> which <laughs> yep. makes me laugh. But uh, tell me where you were going. It's supposed to. I know. Tell me where you were going with that. <laughs> um, okay. So I think the subtitle is important <laughs> to, know, to know the answer to that. 
Um, it's you're the worst person in the world. I think it's why it's the best news ever that you don't have it together. You aren't enough and you can't fix it on your own. I love that. So actually that book kind of goes along with the theme of this Bible study I have coming out. Um, it's more, you know, it's a book. So it's more stories from my life and how I was striving and failing and learning to um, put my eyes on Jesus and point others to Jesus rather than make it about me. And so um, this Bible study goes along with that theme. But um, the title was just, my my friend made a joke about what if I wrote a book with that title? And I thought that was really funny. So before the idea came, it was the title for that one. Yeah. So <laughs> I know you've got a great story from that book. Maybe you'd share. Ooh, a great story from your, the worst person. Okay. Yeah. Let me think. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. The first one that comes to mind and I'm okay. Forgive me. Cause I'm trying to think of like the connections, the spiritual connections. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, what that... first, what first came to mind is, uh, well, okay. Here's a good one. Um, a good one that kind of spurred the whole book on was 2020. Again, this has become a theme of our conversation today, mm-hmm. but, um, long story short, we were on a vacation with my family and we got trapped in a blizzard on top of a mountain with no food or power and nobody could rescue us. And there's a whole lot of details. Like we were going to the bathroom outside and it was very weird. Cause you don't expect to be driving to like a family vacation. And then you're suddenly stranded in a blizzard with no food. <laughs> um, so that was 2020, of course. <laughs> and um, my adoptive dad, who has been my superhero throughout my whole life, I dedicated the book to him. I put um, dedicated to my hero in the blue Jeep. He um, rented a blue Jeep when uh, my mom was calling the National Guard even, and nobody would come rescue us because it was an ice mountain. And he used to be on the SWAT team. And again, he's a a retired SWAT superhero. And he rented a four-wheel drive um, Jeep and couldn't get all the way to us, but kind of tried to via text to our dying phones with no power, explain how to find him on the mountain and just sliding (laughs) helplessly into his arms at the bottom of this ice mountain with his rented blue Jeep crying. Um, I was kind of had writer's block on this book and it really (laughs) helped me with my writer's block because it was a really good reminder of how I just helplessly fell into my adoptive dad's arms that day. Um, Really fully understanding my need for rescue more than I had in a really long time or maybe ever um, with my three kids in tow. And so, um, that is kind of the point of that whole book and probably kind of the whole point of everything I write is that we were adopted by God and all we can really do is all we can really bring him is our crying selves sliding down an ice mountain. And then (laughs) there he is, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah. When you talk about a dying cell phone, no food and being stranded on a mountain, I'm starting to panic. I know it was crazy. Oh no, that's crazy. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta like your family too, to survive that one. I love my family. It was actually just me and my husband and my kids. Everybody else got off the mountain in their cars alone. Okay. And um, <laughs> we decided that we would never, ever, ever travel as a fa- as a large extended family ever again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Scarlett Hiltabattle is my guest. We'll take a break and come back with lots more. If you want to learn more about Scarlett, go to her website, scarletthiltabidal.com. We'll be right back.
let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Yeah. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Thanks for joining me today. I have Scarlett Hiltabital as my guest. She's got a brand new Bible study series coming out October 2nd called Ashamed, Fighting Shame with the Word of God. Scarlett, when you look at the young kids today and what they are up against with all the pressure on social media and everything else, and uh, what kind of counsel would you would you want to offer kids today as they're trying to form their identity? You came to know Jesus at 14, but there are a lot of kids that are struggling with trying to figure out who they are and what's important in life. Yeah, I have three daughters. My oldest is 12. And um, so I definitely don't think I'm an expert yet <laughs> in um, in knowing, well, I guess you said, what would I say to the kids? So I'll, yeah. I'll tell you what I tell my I'll ha- kids. I'll have you back um, on when you're an expert, just so you know. So have no- me back on when I'm an expert. Yeah, for <laughs> yes. sure. Okay, great. Um, you know, I do think it's way harder for kids now than it was when I was a kid because I was, you know, I remember pre-social media and all that. Yeah. So I have an almost 13-year-old who has some friends with phones. So we're already starting to get that, when can I get a phone kind of thing. And, um, you know, I just think it's, my advice is to, uh, you know, my advice is to do the same thing that I'm trying to do, which is to walk with Jesus, keep your eyes on Jesus, don't neglect to be in his word because his word is living and active and transforms our lives. Um, And with all the distractions that are there, I think it's definitely harder for young kids um, to you know, manage their devices and their, their intake of what they're putting in their minds. It's harder because there's, it's just all there. Um, there's so much access to everything. So I would say, um, just try to be disciplined enough to put the truth of scripture into your mind and, um, be careful with what you allow yourself to look at Yeah, because man, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. In your Bible study, uh, your six-part series, in session three, you talk about ashamed at the well. I'd love for you to talk about that. Yeah. Um, I loved writing that session because um, I was looking at different people in the Bible and how they might have struggled with shame. And um, the woman at the well had... There's there's lots of different types of shame. Okay. So when I first set out to write this, I was thinking of... you know I shared some of my testimony with you, but the shame I experienced from my own sin... But there are so many examples in life today and in scripture, like the woman of the well, women, woman at the well, um, of shame that we can carry that we didn't really have anything to do with. Like she had shame because of her sin. Yes. She also had like a cultural shame because she um, was a Samaritan, right? And Samaritans yeah. were hated by Jewish people. Yep. Um, and I got to look into the history of that and why, but like she was carrying that just from how the people group that she was born into, um, shame of stuff that was done to her. I mean, there's like examples like Tamar in the Bible who was raped, you know, you can carry shame from being sinned against, you know, and not Mm -hmm. even having chosen that. And so um, I I think it's so cool that she had this encounter with Jesus and, you know, her testimony was this man knew everything I ever did. Like her life was changed because Jesus saw her and knew her and forgave her and loved her and comforted her in her shame. And um, that's, it's so simple. And it's so all of us, you know, we all are this complicated blend of walking around with history of all sorts and shame of all sorts. And um, when we have 
a real encounter with the living Jesus, um, that becomes our testimony is he, he saw everything about me really. And he chose to take that on and love me and sacrifice himself for me. So, um, yeah, I, I loved learning more about her as I put that together. I love that in the fact of one conversation that Jesus had with this Samaritan woman at the well, she called him four different names in the course of one conversation. She went from calling him Jew to calling him mm-hmm. Sir to calling him Prophet and then to calling him Messiah. That all happened in one conversation. It's remarkable. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I love wow. I love I love the way that Jesus can navigate his way through conversations and he is so gentle and so kind and so loving. And whatever shame she brought to the well that day, he was he just loved on her in such a profound way. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, it's extremely cool. And then there's the uh the shame of Peter. And that that's another great illustration of, of Peter's shame. I know that you've got some that in session for Yes. You. Yeah. I feel like you're probably more up to date on this Bible study than I'm trying to remember everything. I, the thing I remember about most about Peter that I thought was the coolest was um, the charcoal fire thing. Yes. I don't know if you if you got to that, but I didn't know that before. Um, what was it when God? Oh, help me, help me if I say it wrong. But when God first uh, approached Peter and told him, what was it when he? I can't remember, but it was something to do with when he denied Jesus there was a charcoal fire mentioned in the Bible. That's right. And then when Jesus reinstated him and said, you know, built the church on him, there was a charcoal fire and he redeemed. It was like the fact that God knows that the sense of smell triggers memories. Like everybody knows, you know, even if you don't know that that's a scientific study that Harvard did, that (laughs) my awesome editor said, Hey, you should include this in there. And it's in there. But like all of us know that when we smell our, high school boyfriend's cologne, <laughs> you know, it's just a thing. Um, and so how cool that, that I so identify with Peter because a lot of my shame came after I decided to follow Jesus. And I thought, oh, I thought my sin was supposed to be pre-Jesus. You know, this is, I'm, am I supposed to be struggling with sin now? And the fact that Peter denied, <laughs> denied Jesus after already being his follower and Jesus forgave him after that and was so kind to, to give him that sense of smell, to redeem the smell of a charcoal fire that he yeah. probably felt shame over. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, God, Jesus just covers so much. He's he's all of your senses at once. I love it. And when I think of that Peter was warming himself by the charcoal fire that night that he denied Jesus three times, reminded me that Jesus is having the worst night of his life heading into his crucifixion, and it was cold out that night. Just bad enough you're having the worst night of your life and then to be cold on top of it is just another element of what he went through that night that I, I find myself giving myself thanks to him for. Because I live in I, wow. Minnesota, so I know what it's like to be cold and miserable. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Wow. So I'm always grateful. So in your study, uh, tell us kind of how you take people through this uh, study, Ashamed. This, you start with... Um, uh, it's a video what series. What do I start with? You start with I need to go grab it. Yeah, it's a video a- series and there's um there's corresponding videos to each se- session. Yep. Um, and there's several, there's Peter, there's the woman at the well, and then the last one is Shame Crucified. And it's all about, you know, Jesus taking on our shame on the cross. Um, but, you know, it's a workbook style. So it's, you're studying these people in these situations in the Bible and then asking kind of reflective questions about how you, how you, interact with shame in your own life. And then, you know, 
more questions to help you fight it with God's word. And it's meant to be done in a group. So there's group questions and you're sharing your answers and you're praying for each other. And that's the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. And I would love to talk a little bit more about uh, some of your books and some of the writing and, and speaking that you do. But let's talk about the book he numbered uh, the pores on my face because I think this is uh, I, I really I laughed out loud through this book. It was really really a great book. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, you just uh, talk about you know teens who long for for beauty and they look for uh, you know just ways to to build up their their confidence and I, I just I find that to be very funny that you would make that the title of your book. <laughs> Um, thank you. And I'm so glad that you enjoyed it because it was geared toward teenage girls. So I always love when I talk to a grown man who enjoyed it. <laughs> enjoyed it. Well, when I, when it gets, when it gets sent to, to the office and I, I get to interview you, I do kind of go through it. And then I found myself laughing out loud. I'm so grateful. Um, yeah, that was a fun book to write. It was also probably the scariest one because those teen years, man, I wouldn't go back for anything. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's the one book I wrote on identity and in hopes that, you know, my three daughters and their friends and girls like them might spend a lot less years in angst. Um, <laughs> because, you know, it's like when I was a teenager and trying to walk with Jesus, I very much would just kind of pull verses out of coffee mugs, you know, worksheets from Sunday school and nowhere. Um, and just try, you know, just kind of try to navigate my faith and have boys like me and have everyone at school like me. <laughs> right. And it was, I was just kind of a mess, you know? And so, yeah, similar to my other ones, I share a lot of pretty embarrassing stories in there from my teen years. There, there are um, some embarrassing stories. You do, show, oh, yeah. you, do, yeah. you do show great vulnerability in that book. So, um, uh, I was kind of hoping everyone would forget about that one, but no, thanks for bringing no, it up. No, I didn't. Cause it was a delightful <laughs> book. And you talk oh. about, you know, being, wanting to have, cute boyfriends and you wanted, you also had an eating disorder for a while, didn't you? Yes. I write about that a lot in there. And, um, yeah, I I just realized it's been 15 years. I had one of those dramatic Jesus intervention moments with that whole thing. It was kind of like those stories of a drug addict, you know, meeting Jesus and then losing all desire to do drugs. It was very similar for me because, um, I was already a believer. I was a pastor's wife. I was a Bible college graduate. I like I was telling you, like Peter, I was like, I shouldn't be struggling with something like this. And I found myself very stuck in that sin. And um, so I became very deceitful, which is more sin, you know, yes. <laughs> because I wanted to hide it. And um, God kept graciously leading me to Proverbs 28, 28, 13, which says, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but if you confess, you'll receive mercy. And um, I still talk about this testimony. I just shared it in Texas and I had several women come up to me after who are in that struggle right now, um, who are not teenagers, who are older, because it is such a embarrassing thing to struggle with. And um, I just remember God leading me to that and me telling him in my prayers, because I was walking with him saying, God, I can't confess this. It's too embarrassing. And I'm just going to get through this on my own and have a great testimony to share one day. And I couldn't. And it wasn't until I finally obeyed at kind of my rock bottom thinking my body's going to die because of how I'm treating it that I finally feebly confessed and I did receive mercy. And I, I don't say that like prescriptively as in, if you do this exact thing I did, you will definitely be healed of this exact thing. Cause I right. know that 
it's complicated for some people, but I know that in that instance in my life, it was a matter of disobedience and pride. You know, I was saying, God, I can do this on my own without you. And when I finally humbled myself and obeyed where he kept leading me, he, he totally healed me. So I love sharing that story. It's one of the, the most dramatic freedom experiences I've ever had. And um, I was in college when that happened. And so I put it in the teenage book because I know that that is a very common struggle with teenage girls. Mm-hmm. Scarlett, when does God ever want us to do it alone <laughs> without other Never. People? Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's what we want. Like when I'm anxious or when I'm ashamed, I want to be alone. <laughs> I don't want people to, when I'm grieving, I want to be alone. I don't want people to see me when I'm not shiny and sparkly, you know, but it's like that road leads to isolation and ultimately hopelessness and death, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and humbling yourself and living in the light is what leads to life and freedom. So how did you, how did you make your confession to someone about your, your eating disorder? I started with my pastor husband. He was in a pastor meeting. Okay. (laughs) I called, I called him from a Starbucks parking lot where I'd just gotten a double shot of espresso because I thought I was going to pass out. Mm -hmm. And I said, I know you're in a meeting. He answered. And I think God just gave him graciousness and what he needed to respond to me in that moment. And I said, I need to tell you a lot of things right now. Please don't say anything until I've said it all. Because he didn't know. I was keeping it from the whole world. And um, I just said everything. And he said, you're going to go to a Christian counselor tomorrow. And I said, I don't want to do that. And he said, you're going to do that. And I did. And I went to the counselor the next day and I wrote bulimic on a piece of paper and my name. And that was so humiliating and embarrassing. And she gave me like a journal and said, what are your triggers when you do this behavior? Next time you do it, you're going to write out what, you know, what happened that day. And it was the coolest thing because I went to a church service that night. It was a Saturday night, I think. And um, I felt really like gross and dirty and I exposed like everyone knows, you know, I don't know. It's just, I felt bad. And I feel like I always say, I don't know when the miracle happened, if it was the moment I confessed or later that night, I don't know. But the next day I woke up and I just knew it was over and I was free and I never wrote in the journal. I went back to the counselor, like, I don't have anything to write. I don't want to do that. It it was just gone. And it was a daily, hourly struggle for me for three and a half years. And it was like, that's when I became like, you know, the evangelist who's like, you know, I was at a laundromat doing my laundry as a newlywed. Like, can I tell you what Jesus just did? Cause I was going to die. And the, you know, and so, um, yeah, I confessed to my husband and a counselor and it was gone. That's crazy. That's so, so good. All right, Scarlett, let me take a little break. I just got a text. What was the uh, teenage book title? And it's called, he numbered the pores on my face. That's the title of the <laughs> book. He numbered the pores on my face. The uh, author is Scarlett Hiltabidal. H-I-L-T-I-B-I-D-A-L. We'll take a short break and be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. I'm back with Scarlett Hiltabidal. She's the author of Afraid of All Things, You're the Worst Person in the World, and he numbered the pores on my face. You can obviously tell that she has a very different perspective 
and is quite funny and engaging, and she will um, uh, she will hook you quickly if you get her books or get her studies. Uh, she's got a brand new study coming out. It's a Bible study coming out called Ashamed. It starts. Mm-hmm. It's available October second. She also writes regularly for Parent Life Magazine, Home Life Magazine, and she reads truth and speaks all around the country. What are you uh, finding uh, as you go out and speak, Scarlett, that people are really hungry for? Um, There's a lot of people who are very anxious and um, a lot of people who are discouraged. And um, I'm grateful that I get to help encourage them and remind them of the truth. And in doing so, I'm encouraged and reminded of the truth too. And so I really enjoy getting to do that. There's no momentum in Christianity, is there? I mean, you might have a great day and you wake up the next day going, "Uh uh-oh, it's like I got to start over. Man, I was in Sunday school this Sunday and we were looking at, I forgot what chapter in Matthew. And it was like, I forgot what the question was, but I was just reminded. (laughs) It's crazy. It doesn't matter how many times you've studied the Bible. We're so forgetful. I mean, I don't know. I don't have a photographic memory. Maybe it's easier for some people, but I definitely need to be reminded and in Christian community. I mean, this is why... Christianity was set up this way by God, but um, yeah, we need to be reminded of what's true and hopeful. I was just saying that to a friend uh, an hour ago on the air, just saying how I've gone through passages of scripture dozens and dozens and dozens of time, and then you read it for the 50th time and you go, I'm humbled all over again. I feel like I've (laughs) got to start from the beginning and not act like I think I understood what it meant. Yeah, and at the same time... I'm totally that way. Okay. And at the same time, being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. I forgot where, where, where that verse is from. But it's cool to look back and say, okay, I can see what God's done in my life 10 years ago. It's harder to see in the day-to-day. But, um, and maybe that's part of just humility, like, you know, God allowing us to, you know, be humble. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that we're not like, oh, I'm doing so much better today than I was yesterday. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I need... I need help and reminders all the time. Yeah. How how easy do you strike up conversation with people in everyday life? I <laughs> You're so fun to talk to. I hope I don't have to wait till I'm a parenting expert to come back on your show. <laughs> <laughs> um I it's very easy for me to like talk to people at a party or on their radio show. Okay. Um with about- a little arms distance. Okay. It's harder depth is harder for me. Okay. So can yeah, you strike depth up com- takes time. <laughs> yeah. Can you strike up conversations easily in, in coffee shops or grocery stores or if you get your nails yes. done or something? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That is my comfort zone. Okay. Um, but then do you, do you find yourself, uh, when people ask you what you're doing or, or what do you do for a living or, you know, can you, can you easily say why well, I, I love writing books about my faith and do you, can you steer the conversation or how do you, What's your approach? I am thankful that this is what I do with my life because it does make it pretty easy to get into a faith conversation, you know, yeah. when what you do involves this kind of thing. You know, if I say, oh, well, what do you do? Books. Well, what are they about? It is definitely an, an open door right. to talk about Jesus. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, yeah. And I do, I have found some ease with that. I enjoy doing that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, some, somebody will say to me, what, you, what are you doing? I go, I, I host a Christian radio show, so we're going to talk about Jesus now. We're going to talk about him later, but either way, we're going to talk about him. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so it's um, the the Bible study that comes out October 2nd 
uh, tell me what you perceive to be the ideal scenario. Is it a gathering of like 10 women that gather around and watch the video and go through the book or what would you, how would you encourage people to take advantage of this? I think that's a great visual is women snacks, screen, watch the videos. Um, I think it's, I'm really grateful. Lifeway women is they're fantastic and they've kind of set it up to make it really easy for someone who, you know, might not have a background of leading Bible studies. It's really easy to just kind of know what you're supposed to talk about and discuss and not have it be one of these things where, you know, I've, I've been part of Bible studies where it's a bunch of women and you get together and you say all the bad stuff in your life and you say, okay, we're going to pray about it. And then you leave and then you feel really um, sad and kind of hopeless. Um, but I hope that rather than this just becoming, you know, I, I know that it's not going to be just a bunch of women saying, here's all the things I'm ashamed of and then leaving. Um, it's definitely going to push them to the hope of walking through the rest of their lives without shame um, and with joy and peace and remembering their redemption. So it's always good to have structure, isn't it? If you have a Bible study. So, you know, you're suggesting you're going to gather and have 10 minutes of chit chat, and then you're going to watch the 10 minute video and then have 30 minutes of discussion and then maybe 10 minutes for closing. So I love the fact that you've got uh, nice boundaries on this as well. Yeah. I'm I'm excited to see how it goes. Yeah. So, um, when you put these videos together, uh, give us just a little bit of an understanding. If the video is 10 minutes, you make your point, of course, and then do you put questions on the 10-minute video that they're going to start addressing, or is that part of the, the, the workbook? So that'll be in the, the questions are in the workbook. They'll okay. watch the videos together, and they'll kind of come having done having done some of their homework. And if they didn't, and since it's about shame, I reiterated a lot of times, like, <laughs> don't be ashamed if you didn't do your homework. Still come and be part of the discussion. Um, but yeah, it's just me talking for a little bit. And then there are questions they can discuss after that as they go through. And there's like suggested questions that they can share as a group that they've done the previous week at home. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, one of the questions you throw out is, do you have a childhood memory of your first moment of shame or embarrassment? All right. Now let me ask you, do you? <laughs> hmm. I mean, I have so many embarrassing moments. I'm trying to think <laughs> of my first one. Yeah. Or, my first or one. Or one that's maybe one that's, that you're willing to talk about. One that I'm willing to talk about. Yeah. Uh, well, I was a big time cheerleader. Okay. And um, I had cheerleading camp. It was like 300 cheerleaders and cheer moms in this big gymnasium. And I was competing for all American and Similarly, if you've been listening this whole hour to how I lost my train of thought in the middle of a question, <laughs> I don't know what that is because I really don't feel nervous. Yeah. But I, when I'm like on the spot, yeah. something in my brain shuts down at least once, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, zoop, turning off now. And I had this like really great routine to do in front of these 300 cheer moms and cheerleaders. And I did the first two seconds and clapped my hands and like did a backflip. And then I completely forgot everything. And I just stood there staring at everybody. And then I started crying. And the thing is, there were no wings to hide in. I had to run across this huge gymnasium, sobbing and wiping my eyes, my mascara on my cheerleading sleeve, you know. Um, so that was pretty embarrassing. That <laughs> That is quite And then I became a public speaker. <laughs> <laughs> Well, God was preparing you, and God also was preparing you with your uh, daughter's um, appendicitis. Um, I that, know that was that does make me laugh. 
Scarlet. I know. I was ready. I was ready for that. You knew exactly what <laughs> for that to crisis. Do. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah, that was spectacular. So, um, how do we go about getting uh, your your uh, your Bible study? Um, you could go to Amazon. Okay. Is a personal favorite of mine. You could go to Lifeway. Um, you can just type in a shamed Bible study into Google, and I bet you'd find it pretty quick. Yep. And the nice thing yeah. about the nice thing about all of this is you've got some some video samples, and you've got some book samples, and some uh, leader guide samples. So nobody has to buy it and then to see if they like it. They can check it out in advance. Yes. And the other cool thing about this one, my last one had like a code you can put in to watch the videos. This one has DVDs if you're a DVD person, Sweet. which I no longer am. But, you know, either yeah. way, the, the videos are easier to access now. Yeah. My DVDs at my house are now expensive coasters. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Scarlett. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I'm I'm pleased that you've made time for this. And, and uh, congratulations on your six-session Bible study called Ashamed, which comes out October the 2nd. Thank you, Bill. You bet. Have a great rest of the night. Me too. Bye. Scarlett Hiltabaitl has been my guest. You can go to her website and learn exactly what we were talking about today. Her last name is spelled H-I-L-I-T-I-B-I-D-A-L. Hiltabaitl. Scarlett Hiltabaitl. That's our show for the day. Thank you so much. If you missed any of it, I always recommend you going to the website at myfaithradio.com and you can check out the podcast. I love podcast listeners. And thank you for uh, listening live, and thank you for supporting Faith Radio. Have a great night, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.